0: Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life, to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. If you are a regular listener of One of a Kind You, welcome back. I am so thankful that you decided to stop by for another listen. If you are a new listener to One of a Kind You, thank you for taking the time to stop by. I am equally excited to have you here as well. And for all my new listeners, this is how this podcast goes. I share a journal entry of mine from about five or six years ago, and then I reflect on the struggles I was having then, knowing what I know now as a certified life coach, and hope that you will be able to find value in this podcast. So for today's episode, I am going to share how I was so worried about being judged and criticized for making decisions for my family that I was often felt para- that I often felt paralyzed. And I'm going to share with you a piece of advice that a good friend gave to me and it was a huge game changer for me. So, um let's get started. So, this journal entry is from April 6th, 2016, and I write, Things have been really busy since the last time I wrote in here. Lily was on spring break, and we had painting done Monday and Tuesday of this week. The girls and I went to Melbourne Orchards with some school friends on 325 for an Easter egg hunt. We had a great time, although I wasn't very patient with Casey and Lily. It frustrates me terribly. I'm hoping the class with Nancy next week will help to give me some strategies for getting out of my own way. After Melbourne... Chrissy and I took the girls to Cracker Barrel for lunch. We were talking about my upbringing and issues within her family. She gave me a really good piece of advice. She said, I need to think of my family as Pete and the girls and do what I think is right for us. That is exactly what I needed to hear because I don't think like that since I'm fearful of being judged and criticized by others. I also went shopping for Spring clothes recently and got great stuff I spent a small fortune but felt confident comfortable and empowered it was the exact experience I needed I've also been stood up and or forgotten about a lot recently within the past several weeks a personal trainer was supposed to call me and didn't the Zumba teacher hasn't followed up with me about Zumba for Girl Scouts Joey hasn't responded on my email about her three moons course and Regina stood me up for lunch last week if I ever were being tested I would say it is now I think this is been to teach me self-love, letting go, and acceptance. It's been hard at times, not to take it personally, but overall, I think I'm doing okay. So, the being stood up thing kind of ties into the worry of being judged and criticized by others. So, I probably wasn't patient with Lily and Casey because if I, I remember this day, it, it was slightly overwhelming to be there with the school friends. There was my friend, Chrissy and her daughter, another mom and her two kids, and then my two girls and me. And one mom, well, both Chrissy and the other mom are very patient. And so, um, I was comparing myself to them in that moment and that experience of, you know, convincing myself that I wasn't as patient as them because, um, they had a higher threshold for um, their children's misbehavior or shenanigans before they lost their patience. And I can recognize now that that is due to trauma response. So um, I've mentioned in this podcast before how um, my emotional barometer was... um, set at a higher level. So most people, I'll say someone who doesn't have trauma bonds, their thermometer is at a low. So if the thermometer goes from zero to 10, they might naturally be at a two on the thermometer. But, but with my trauma response, I naturally sat at a six. So it didn't take much for me to get to a six to a 10 and feel like I was ready to blow a gasket, where other people would, they would go from a two to a six. I'd be slightly agitated, but not ready to just flip out completely. And so I, I probably knew that at the time, but I just wasn't able to, um, do that mental check-in with myself and say, Oh, your temperature, your, your little thermostat, Kim is rising. And, um, is this something that really needs to set that trauma response off? Or, you know, is this something that's that's triggering you and, and what is the trigger here and typically it was that I wasn't I felt like I wasn't seen or heard and so um that's why an end in this too I felt like I was the only one who had trauma or dysfunction or lacking coping mechanisms and I just felt like a complete train wreck And I looked at everyone else and thought, oh my gosh, they're so normal. They have it all together. They don't have these horrible experiences that they're carrying around with them. And all of this, um, I jokingly said that it felt like I needed a luggage rack or a luggage cart that you get at the airport if you had a ton of bags to carry all my baggage around. And so I just thought like, oh, other people don't have that. And I do. But other people probably did. They just did a better job of hiding it or their trauma response, their trigger was different than mine. So, you know, maybe their trigger was flipping out on a cashier or a waiter or a server or something in a restaurant if their food wasn't done properly where that doesn't really bother me as much. So I just didn't have that awareness of that recognition. So when my girlfriend said, you know, Kim, your family is Pete, you Lily and Casey, and you have to do what is right for them, what you think is right for them, regardless of what other people are going to think, was kind of like mind blowing to me because I didn't have that perspective. In my mind, my family was my dad, my stepmom, my mom, my stepdad, my brothers. I have a lot of brothers. Uh, My dad and my stepmom have two boys and they're significantly younger than I am. And then my mom... And stepdad have a son who's about six years younger than I am. And then my stepdad has three boys from a previous marriage. So in all there, I have six brothers, three step and three half. And so um, my grandmother, my aunts, my uncles. And when you put that in perspective and you're worried about making all of those people happy based on the decisions that you're making for your children it gets really overwhelming and really complicated. And at that point, nothing you ever do is going to add up. Nothing you ever do is going to make every single person happy. And that's where the hang-up was. I was trying to make every single person happy in my life, including my kids. And I felt like I was sacrificing myself. And that was the other reason I lost my patience, is because I thought in my mind that I was making the best decisions for Lily and Casey, you know, taking them to the Easter egg hunt, taking them to lunch, whatever else and it wasn't enough so that is you know where the hang up was it was this um, unhealthy, unserving need to try to accommodate and please every single person in my life And, and it was weird because I feel very independent from my parents And have been for a long time since, um, you know, my dad and I didn't speak for five and a half years from the time I was 15 until I was 21. When I was in the abusive relationship, we didn't talk. Uh, Occasionally, my dad would come over to my mom's house and we would have a screaming match about the poor decisions that I was making at that time, but we didn't have a real relationship where it was, you know, I went to his house, I participated in family functions, it was pretty much no contact. And my relationship with my mom was equally as strained. I just talked to her because my dad kicked me out, and I went to live with her. But that was really the only reason we talked. It was just really at the barest level, and it was just the most necessity of communication. So I, from a young age, didn't really depend on my parents. You know, up until I was twenty-one, I did depend on my parents financially because I was working, you know, at the grocery store, or whatever, and was still in school, in high school, and then in college. But I'll say uh, mentally and emotionally, I have been very independent from my parents for a very long time. And and with that, it was this um, enmeshed sense of still needing to please them. And I think that was because I was holding on to this um, outdated perception of That everyone saw me as the black sheep of the family. They saw me as a bad person. They saw me as irresponsible. They saw me as incapable, incompetent, um, a failure. And partly that was because we still to this day have never talked about... um, My mom and I have talked about being in the abusive relationship with a high school boyfriend. But my dad and I don't. There was a time where I was probably 21... I think I was even dating my husband at the time. And I just casually mentioned the boyfriend, the abusive boyfriend's name. And my dad was like, we do not mention that name in my house. And that was the last that name was ever spoken. And my stepmom has alluded to the relationship to, to throw digs. And because those digs were thrown, less so now, but more so then, um, because I had left my teaching career, there was just a lot of um, outdated, limiting beliefs that I still carried about how people viewed me as a person based on my choices that I made in that abusive relationship with a high school boyfriend. And so because I was still carrying those outdated beliefs, I felt like I had to please and prove to everyone that I was none of those things. And because I was a stay-at-home mom and I left my teaching career and I got flack about that... You know, my, my dad would say, when are you getting back in the classroom? You're wasting your college degrees. My mom would say things like, well, how long can Pete and you afford to live on his income only? How much longer can, can his income support you guys? You know, you have a mortgage, you have bills, you have student loans. And so I took those limited mindset beliefs from the high school boyfriend relationship and then morph those into the same meaning because I left my teaching career and my husband was the sole income provider, even though at this time, I still part taught part-time at Wilmington University. Just the income that I was making from that was um, like half, I'll say, of my teaching salary. So um, I just had all of this balled up, limited belief, negative mindset about myself that felt like, oh, if I'm not patient with my girls, no matter what, even if they're being annoying AF, if I'm not being patient with my girls, then that makes me a bad mom. That makes me a bad person. That makes me a failure. And all of those things that people thought about me when I was with the high school boyfriend, all those things that people thought about me for leaving my career are true because I'm not a patient mom. They're true because I'm not contributing to the income with my husband. And they were not true because. My girls, essentially, I was breaking the cycle of the childhood emotional neglect for my girls and breaking the cycle of, I'll say, the family dysfunction that I experienced growing up. And so that was really, I mean, that was, that's priceless at the end of the day because uh, in my family, the generational dysfunction and the generational trauma goes back many generations on both sides. It goes back many generations on my dad's side um, because his grandfather was an alcoholic. So my grandmother's father. So, um, and you know, it didn't start there. It goes back beyond that. Um, How far back on that side, I don't know. And then my mother's parents, so my grandparents on my mom's side, were alcoholics and um suffered from drug addiction and I'm I know it didn't start there with them, um it has to go back at multiple generations. I recently read and I think it can be traced when there's generational trauma and dysfunction. I think they said it can trace back seven generations, uh, but that's neither here nor there. So my mom's siblings, most of them are still in that pattern of generational dysfunction and trauma, and it hasn't it hasn't stopped. And so then it's, you know, transferring to their kids, which are my generation. And those kids are have those people, my cousins are having kids and it's transferring to their kids. And so I couldn't see it at the time, but really my role, once I started this, going to therapy and learning about codependency and learning about anxiety and learning about childhood emotional neglect, my mission at that point became, I will break the cycle because I do not want my girls to grow up, to be in therapy, to feel this way. I, I just don't. And so I had to really say to like, really recognize that my girlfriend's advice was so valid. And I think that's sometimes where we struggle as stay at home moms, even if you don't have generational trauma you don't have childhood trauma you didn't suffer from childhood emotional neglect you're not codependent you're not ang- you're not anxious but i think what happens is that we get these messages from society about what a mom should look like in today's world and having the picture perfect monthly baby check-ins to post on instagram and facebook and to have the picture perfect decorated farmhouse and rustic farmhouse or modern farmhouse or whatever the latest decorating trend is and that's not true and we get stuck in this pattern um, of where we see other things other women doing things for their family and it's not the way that we do them for ours and it's not what we value but those limiting beliefs those that mental mindset that is not serving creeps in because it's so easy for our brain to focus on the one thing that's not working rather than all the things that are. And so um, I had a little bit of this last week in Michael's. I was in line and there was a woman there with a baby who probably wasn't even a year old yet. And this little girl's outfit was beyond adorable. She had this little head wrap on and it matched her shirt, or her, which I guess was a onesie. And then she had socks on. That matched too and this baby was dressed to the nines and she just looked like she could have been plucked right out of a baby model magazine and I thought I was like wow I never dressed my kids like that this baby's outfit was you could tell high end I don't know if it's from Etsy I don't know where it was but it was not the traditional Carter's outfit and I had this moment where it was like oh huh I got my kids clothes at a consignment shop sometimes because I just thought they're going to pee and poop all over them and spit up on them. Why spend $50 on a baby outfit that they're only going to wear once? But then I thought, did I deprive my kids in some sense because I didn't dress them in like the most expensive baby outfits? And when my kids were born, social media, well, Facebook was a thing, Instagram wasn't, and I wasn't on either of them. So I didn't have, I didn't feel the pressure to post the pictures of my kids, Um, but I just, I did. I had to check myself seeing this baby's outfit because I thought, wow, I didn't do those things. I'm probably a slacker of a mother Um, because, you know, those things, it goes, it's that instant comparison mode. And so if we can just focus on the fact of who our family is, it's our spouse, it's us, and it's our kids. It's that family unit that is the priority. And if you wake up every day making decisions that you feel are the best decisions for your family, and they're aligned with your values, and your family is thriving, then that's all that you can do each and every day. So let go of what other people think, let go of other people's opinions. They don't matter. And Who cares what family members are going to say or think because everyone has an opinion about everything? Everyone's going to chime in their two cents about something. But if you can stand confident in the decisions that you make because they're the right decisions for you and your spouse and your kids, then you're doing an excellent job as a mom, whether you're a stay at home mom or a working mom. I mean, hats off to you you're doing it. So I hope that you found this episode helpful and that you will take my girlfriend Chrissy's advice. If you feel like it resonates, if you have a friend that could benefit from listening to this episode of one of a kind, you please don't hesitate to share. And if you love this episode, please feel free to leave a review because I read the reviews and it allows me to take that feedback and make this podcast even better and tailored to what my listeners are looking for. So thanks so much for tuning in, and I will see you next week.